Welcome to Divorce Diary Show podcast. Today, I am so happy because I have a fabulous, funny, and really endearing and sweet guest, Q Heggs. Welcome to my show. He's a comic. I didn't even give you a proper label. You are a comic. You're an actor. You're very well known in the comedy world. Welcome, Q. And I had you on my podcast last year, and we had a fucking blast. Yes, we did. Happy New Year, Michelle. I'm going to say Happy New Year to anybody I haven't seen. So I'm going to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody out there. It's a blessing to be here. It's great to be back. Happy New Year. It's a new year, and it's the same old patterning that I have that we'll get to. Well, I mean, it's just like uh, a lot hasn't really changed outside of having a new president. Uh, a lot of things uh, in terms of relationships, in terms of careers. You know, everything is still kind of, you know, the pandemic is kind of leaving things kind of uh, monotone. Nothing's really gotten better and nothing's really got worse. It's a very good explanation of it. Yes. I Last time we chatted, I we talked for like, I think an hour and a half on the podcast. And I remember I was like, oh, it's usually a half an hour. We just kept going. and It was great. It was an organic conversation about dating, divorce, comedy, um, we talked about Wendy Williams and I was trying to like get on her show and I did do a segment on her show, which was like, a, it, you know, it was cute. It was fun, but like you were like pumping me up and I don't know, everybody doesn't know this, but Q, your episode with me and I have like a very small following with the podcast, but I'm excited that yours is still like the highest ranking. Well, we have fun. And I think a lot of people, you know, you don't want to be bland when you do you know, any kind of a podcast. You want to get crazy, get, get loose. And I think that we had so much fun and the people say, you know what, you got to listen to the podcast from that. Oh my God, it was fun. You got to listen to it. So I guess people started sharing it more and, you know, I could have said like, well, comedy has been really nice and, you know, things are kind of slow. And then people kind of like just fade away. It's like, all right, this is depressing. So, you know, did you just actually just stretch? I've never seen any the podcast oh my god let me just make sure my hamstrings are are nice and loose i have mismatched socks too that's all right i didn't know you you had puerto rican blood okay (laughs) i've had a lot of you know what pandemic thing a lot of people i'm surprised you even wearing socks I will. Well, I wear socks. I chose to, I left, I'm not trying to go into a sexual like spiral all of a sudden, but like, I don't wear underwear anymore because of the pandemic. Like I wear pants, but no underwear because it's just like, what the fuck? Who cares? Thank you for sharing. And, um, that's a hell of a visual. Thank you. You know what? So coffee has been wonderful. No, (laughs) it's like, it's like, so why are you wearing socks? Well, I don't wear panties, so I will wear something this warm. Hey, Michelle. My trainer was like, Michelle, we got to do your measurements. I was like, well, I didn't wear underwear today, so we can't. Because it's not that I'm trying to be, to be honest with you, you probably, okay. Well, well fuck it. Let's just go there. It probably, it's been so long that it probably looks like I have underwear on. Wow. Okay, man. Um, see, the rules of the game, <laughs> even if you're not with someone or you're not doing anything with someone, you still want to s- still landscape for your own. I mean, when you, when you masturbate, you don't want to have to 
you want to run through the field. You don't want to have to hit the corn stalks. You want to, you know, just, you know, you, you, unless it's a full moon, you got to shave it. You can't have it just like, whoa, is she wearing underwear? Oh, no, she hasn't shaved. Okay. Because when, you know, when you do have a date and you do have a chance to go there with someone, when you finally have really bad stubble. No, I know. So I... So I will tell you this, I have, I was getting, wa- I get waxed and it's easier for me than shaving, but I had was with somebody in July. And after that broke my heart, I was like, I don't want to just forget it. And I actually, it's, so it's not that bad, but it's like, I am going to eventually, I am going to go landscape probably soon, but the underwear thing became an issue during the pandemic because it's like, well, fuck it. I, I, it's supposed to be actually healthier for a woman not to wear underwear. Oh yeah, you supposed you supposed to let your cuckoo breathe. <laughs> You're not gonna be a happy camper. You got to have. It's called freedom of cuckoo. The freedom of the cuckoo, and and you know, listen when. So speaking of the freedom of the cuckoo, we're going to go connect the cuckoo to the comedy. I think I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. Bless <laughs> you. You know what that was? What. It happened because when you flexed your legs, the, the steam <laughs> from not wearing underwear kind of got in your system, and it, you're probably allergic to your own vagina. Did, did you ever realize that? It, there, that would explain a lot. <laughs> that would explain a lot. So during COVID, so going back a little bit, so COVID has been still going on. I don't feel like this is going to ever really quote unquote end for right now. But how has the comedy world being? Just give our viewer, the people who are listening in who have not listened to your previous episode, can you give them a little rundown on you, your fabulous career as a comic, you know, a millionaire and the millions of other things you've done. I met you at Dangerfields, um, but you've done so much. Can you kind of give them your uh, little background on what you've done as a comedian? Well, I mean, I started stand up over 30 years ago. And as a stand up comic, uh, you have to progress slowly. So I went from stand up comic, dark, citywide then statewide and then you get a chance to be blessed to nationally and then you get a chance to you know if you find the right connections to to do comedy worldwide you know i performed in in uh uh let me just well i could i'm gonna say canada but anybody you can walk to canada from new york <laughs> then i performed in the czech republic and it that's that's the test of a good comedian like especially if you do a u.s soul tour where they send you to uh, different army bases, like in Japan. A lot of times it's good to be in places where no one really knows, might know what you're talking about. Yeah. And if you to write more material that is more like, uh, not, not generic, what's the word? More general. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like it happened one time I was working with a comic, this was many years ago, and he was, we both in Florida. And he was actually closing the show. I went up, featured, killed. But then he went up and then he started doing New York style kind of like comedy. Yeah. He was the mayor and people weren't laughing. He said, why don't you care about Koch? And then it's like, Koch, what's our mayor's name? He's like, I don't know. I don't care. And he's like, exactly. And then everybody started laughing. So he was heckled to the point that, you know, you're right. So if you have stuff that's kind of general to all mayors, all anything political you want to do. Yeah. You got to touch on where you're at. If you're going to perform in Texas, you got to touch on some Texas stuff. You just can't go and have everybody think, oh, you're going to laugh at my life. 
No, I'm going to say, hey, I've been in Texas for two days and y'all crazy. And this is what I've seen. That makes people laugh because they say, oh, this guy's been here and he's done his homework. When I went to the Czech Republic, half the audience, it was like 400 people in this little theater. And I was told that half the audience didn't even speak English. But a good comedian can work around that. So I talked a little slower mm-hmm. and I saw I wasn't laughing. So I told, I said, who, who is with her? And he said, I'm her husband. Oh, you speak English. And I said, well, why would you bring your wife to a comedy performance where, you know, because they don't really have comedy clubs in, in, in the public. So to them, it was like, it was like, a, it was like a stage art where you just stand there and talk. So uh, I was saying, why would you bring her here? He said, well, she wanted to see what it was. And I'm translating as you're talking. So I said, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because everything's going to get lost in translation. So the people who understood, they were laughing at the conversation. Long story short, I said, how do you say spouse and, and check? And it, it, I forgot what it was. Say it's like Svorska. Svorska, yeah. That's not the real word, but that's what it sounded no, right. like. So I said Svorska, and she started laughing. I said, it sounds like something. So I was kind of miming it. It sounded yeah. like you have on your behind when you don't wash. <laughs> she was hysterical. Because I was using words that she was familiar with. And everybody who spoke English thought, this is so crazy. Because Sporska is a, it's a loved one. It's not a, it's not a rash on your behind. So after about, I did like 15 minutes and I walked off the stage. Uh, I turned around. The, the, the person that booked me said, go back on stage. This has never happened before. I said, what happened? I walked out on stage. I got to stand ovation. Oh, and he said, booked me, went on before me and did spoken words, this poetry. And she got like a little spatter of applause. I'm yeah. thinking, and they know her. Either yeah. they've heard a thousand times or they just wasn't feeling her. I said, I'm going to have a hard time. But when I went out there, and the thing is, I have vitiligo. And they used my picture from Facebook yeah. when I still had makeup on. So yeah. I said, I, I know y'all probably pissed. You ordered chocolate and got vanilla swirl. So <laughs> Little by little, I was like talking about my trip there. You know, they, it's, I want to thank the people who find me in. I don't know who the hell did my itinerary because I was actually supposed to fly through Amsterdam. Yeah. To, to Prague. But then they switched it two weeks before, two weeks prior. So, no, you're going to go through Moscow. Uh, Wait, Moscow is like two and a half, three hours east. So I had to, you know, it's like, it's like if you're going to LA and you got a, you got a layover in China. Oh my God. Like I'm going from New York to LA. So I gotta stop. Where's the stop? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna um you're gonna Shanghai. What? For, over, and then you're gonna go back to the States. That's how I felt. I had to actually go through Moscow, switch planes, and come two and a half, three hours back to get to Prague. Oh my so, god. <clears throat> I made fun of because of me, I you know, it was a free flight. I had nothing to do. It gave me more time to rehearse what I was gonna do because you know, you got to do a lot of time. I was the only comic. It wasn't a comedy show. It was a, it was poetry and then comedy. So I had to really, really, you know, go through a lot of stuff. So that's, that's why I say to comics, you know, make sure that no matter where you're working, you know where you're at. Yeah. And a lot of the, the, the better comics, they don't even have to acknowledge it. If you have uh, relationships and like, you know, kids, anything that you know that I don't care if you're Russian or you're from, from Haiti 
or you're from, from Brazil, everybody can identify with this kind of humor. So I've been blessed to travel, but um, lately, and of course, I, and I've seen you've been bouncing around. I don't know how you do it, but it's lately a lot of places do not want to book too far in advance. Right. A lot of people don't want to travel. If you can't get there by car, it's like, hey, you know, people say, you know, uh, go to Vegas. They're looking for comments to go to Vegas, but it's like, do I really want to get on the plane? Right. <clears throat> and not because of the travel part, it's because of the delays, the cancellations. A lot of comics like, listen, I'm a comic. I got to be there. Yeah. If I'm the Wednesday, it's oh no, if you get to the airport, oh no, it's not leaving. You don't want to be able to leave till Thursday, Friday. It just messes up your whole work. It's, so that's been a concern. So I didn't travel in December. I traveled in November, but we, everything was fine with my flights. But my when I got back, my mom was like, you better not fly. They're canceling. My mom was going on about it. <clears throat> and I'm actually flying this Friday for not for work, but <clears throat> for a baby shower of a very good friend who flew out while she was pregnant to California to see me, which is crazy. So I'm showing up for her. You know, she's a fucking ride or die friend. So, but I have to fly. And if, sorry. She got on the plane while she was pregnant? She was six and a half. I know, her and her husband. And, okay. and, and her and her husband. And she, this is like a friend from college. Like she was an actor with me and she moved back to Houston because her father's stepmom died like that. Or her father's stepwife died. Her stepmom, Pat, it's a long story, but I'm going, I'm going on a plane this weekend, but I want to, but I am fearful of something like that happening because I have to get back for my daughter. First and foremost, if she's not, if I'm not here, I ain't nobody around. My mom can maybe pick up a slack of a day, but she's getting older. So it's a little tricky. Now I wanted to ask you a quick question though, because this was very fascinating just to go back for a second and your background as a comedian. The USO tour. First of all, this fucking is amazing to hear this story about you being in the Czech Republic and getting a standing ovation because that's something to aspire to as any kind of performer is that you engage an audience so well that the language is universal. Whether you speak a verbal language the same or not, your language of comedy is universal. And I love that. That is fucking amazing. That's something I think to aspire to. So wait, was this the USO tour or this was something separate? It was something separate. You usually only go to uh, particular bases that's around the world. Like I, I did one a long, 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 long time ago in Germany, and that base has been closed. But the Afghanistan's, the uh, any any place like I know a couple of guys that go to Japan, you know, once twice a year. But that particular thing, someone saw me at Dangerfields, wow. and they were a festival for the the Velvet Revolution, and this okay. was like about years ago. So they they have a lot of places that have spoken word. You can go to like, uh, and, they, and they have these little bars. And um, unlike the bars in Amsterdam, they actually have alcohol. <laughs> Amsterdam, you don't smoke, don't go to a bar. Right. So I wouldn't be going to Amsterdam because I just have wine. I was high for five days and I don't even smoke. These <laughs> people Y'all, y'all need to stop. Now I know why y'all ride bikes, because y'all just need to stop. Y'all just smoking, smoking, smoking. I was like walking down the street. Look at this. It's the Tour de France. All these damn hot sticking them ghosts. <laughs> but going back to Prague, um, they saw me and they said, well, we're looking to have a comic uh, help us with our, they had a week long, they have Monday through Friday, a week long set of shows. 
Like they had a band one night, then they had a guy who was like a, a, a pantomime. And then on, on me and on this young lady's night, it was spoken word night. So she did more like poetry to music. And then I was introduced to comedy. The next day I did a seminar at a restaurant for like 30 kids, for like college students who aspired to be comedic actors. And they didn't even realize, they were so young. They thought, they didn't know Eddie Murphy was a stand-up comic. I said, y'all don't, you never heard, you know, they said, what about Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy, yeah, coming to America. I said, no, no, that's his movies. That's not his stand I yeah. said, you never, I said, you never saw Raw? And then it hit me, Raw came out in 1987. Yeah. And the one he had before that was 82, Delirious. So he hasn't done comedy, but I'm thinking, all right, they could have seen it online. They could have saw it like, you know, they have their version of Netflix. No, because the Velvet Revolution in their past, they weren't allowed to use, it's almost like North Korea. They're not allowed to use the internet. It wasn't part of their government. Now the revolution was, now we can do all these things. So she took a chance on having not just a comic, but an ethnic comic from New York. So she said she was looking for somebody different. And she liked the way that I was with the audience at Dangerfuls. Now, granted, you know me at Dangerfuls, I'm mostly host. So she based her opinion on me doing 50 minutes on watching me do 10 minutes. Right, right. I had a meeting with her like months <laughs> later. Her and her husband came to New York and I had to have a meeting. I had to assure them that I was the right man for the job. Ah. And how? So, te so technically, not to cut you off, technically, I was actually giving them little quips for what I was going to talk about. And they, they were at the bar cracking up. People were like, why are they laughing so much? <laughs> two guys and a girl. What they what they plan on doing? So we would I just had them entertained and we had we had we had two bottles of wine. We were just laughing and said, Yeah, I want to talk about this, we'll talk about that. And the funny thing about it, everything that I talked about in the restaurant, I probably yeah. only did half of that on stage. Oh, well, I mean I, I had to make I had to make on the spot adjustments. After I got there and they said, well, we'll let you know that half the people don't even speak English. That to me is the sign of a very talented performer that you can uh, make your adjustments in the moment and also be very well versed because I've watched you perform and, and just also in speaking with you, um, you know, you're punctual, you're diligent, and you're also very clear and concise. And if things, and like, you know, there's... <clears throat> People who have, you have, I feel like you have a natural talent and you also, you rehearse and you come prepared or, or you come prepared, I should say. And that's like the best of both worlds. You can do it all. And I love that. And I, I hope that I embed myself. I try to make myself, I'm working towards that, I should say, as a comic. Wait, so, all right. So now let's fast forward a little bit. I, oh, I, what right now how do you feel the comedy world has shifted with COVID and I want to go back to the past in a second but I want to I, what do you think has happened like this past year like how da so danger feels what's going on with them because I there, was so there, sad there 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 is no more danger I know so I thought they were going to reopen some somewhere uh no. no that's it's hard it was heartbreaking this is an exclusive for your listeners without giving too much uh, personal information and details about the owners and their achievements. 50 years at the same location, they did not do the things they needed to do for a situation like this. Yeah. 
because every single comedy room at some point in time, I mean, it may not be back to normal, but every single room has reopened to some extent. And the reason why they did not reopen because of mismanagement. If you have a chance to have your club stay open after 50 years and you don't take advantage of every option given to you, that means you don't care. Right. And on the website and saying, don't worry, we'll be back. It is to me, it was it's lying to the fans and to the legacy of Rodney because I knew it was never coming back. Yeah. Because, uh, the staff issues. You know, he, uh, one of his uh, favorite bartenders moved away a month before the pandemic. Oh. Uh, he was dropping the prices uh, that he was paying comics, but raising the prices on alcohol. Right. So you can't tell comics, work with me. I don't make as much money as I did a couple of years ago, so take less pay. These comics, if someone says you can work Club A for $75, $85, or you work for me for 50 the comic's going to say, listen, I got bills. I'm sorry you're not doing well, but I can't be here for the same amount of time and get less money. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing that he didn't really see. To him, it's like, instead of trying to promote, hey, let's have drink specials. Let's get people coming in. Let's have something, something night. Let's have this night, that night. Even, hey, let's Sunday night's karaoke. Yeah. Let's, let's throw a couple of gimmicks. Let's do buckets of beer. Bring your prices down because people drink more. If you have a $20 bid, I think it was a 20 but I think after tax and tip, it could be like anywhere between $15 and $16 for a beer. Yeah. Was, I'm not, they'll buy one beer and they'll sip it for the whole show. But if you say, hey, you get a bucket of beers, you get three beers in a bucket for $15, they said, wow, it's only $5 a beer. They'll buy like a couple because they, they, they're excited. It's like when you go to, uh, to uh, like say you go to a movie theater. Yeah. Have that whole uh, get a free refill on popcorn. You got it. always the biggest bucket, and they know you're not going to probably come back anymore. But <laughs> get that free refill, right? And you say, and you say wait, I'm, I want more popcorn, but I got to leave the movie. Uh, uh, so, but they already got you. So that being said, is the incentive is to entice people to come in, entice people to buy this stuff, and then let the show work its own magic. Because we have some great comedians. Yeah. And even when you guys were there, when we had shows where they were like, not, you're not a newcomer. It was like people that, how I say, weren't regulars at Dangerous. Yeah. Well, so I. When you came into guest spots, other comics came into guest spots. It was fun. It was, I it, was so thankful. That was my first club that gave me a guest spot on a house show besides well Broadway gave me some but danger Field because I was doing my show I do my show at Broadway and and Al gave me some few guest spots before the pandemic because uh and I was super thankful and then danger feels I hassled not hassled I um not and I'm not harassed either but I emailed Joe Carcella so many times before I finally got, he gave me a pass to come in. And I think you even told me, you're like, yeah, he asked me about you. If I knew you, <laughs> I was like, and I think you hadn't met me yet, but we had a mutual friend, Stacy. And, and he's like, I, I, I think that something along those lines, but I emailed Joe all the time for like months and he finally gave me a spot. And then through the pandemic, I emailed him through, but you know, I, I know I was, I was sad because I felt like, you know, I, I don't know. I felt connected to the club for the, for my, for that reason, for myself. 
So, um, and you know, you were always so pleasant and sweet and kind. So it was making the late night. Remember I would get like a 12 o'clock late spot, right? Cause it was like, who is this girl? Yeah. We were guest spot going first, but then uh, the owner who I will not name uh, said that we're starting the show. Said you said, Q, you start the show on such a high peak. If we bring on someone that's not a regular here doing five, six minutes and they're not good, it kind of makes the show go down. So he said, we'll put them on at the end. Yeah. So after the last comic, then they're they putting out checks. And of course, Chario, the older waiter who passed, he passed away like a month after the pandemic started. I, I thought you. No, I didn't know that. So we talked about it last time. I can't, I can't remember. I, I don't remember. And if I apologize, if I, you did tell me and I forget. Yeah. Yep. Um, we had our best show March 15th, 2020. He died, I think the second week of April. Did he pass suddenly or was he sick? Or According, we well, he had like, he had triple bypass heart. He had heart. Oh. He, he was wearing a, a pacemaker, but he always came to work. Mm. because he has something to do he was maybe like a week shy of his 85th 86th birthday so he i guess in his heart after about three weeks of nothing to do but stay home he, his body just said fuck yeah and, and he wasn't well liked i didn't like him i i'm i, I mourn him out of respect because he's he had been there since you know a year after the club opened since 1970 until oh, but I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. A, a lot of people are like that. When you get older, you need something to do. Yeah. You know, I don't want to live anymore. So his daughter, from what I was told, his daughter found him. She tried to wake him up and he passed in his sleep. Well, Lisi went on his sleep. I know that there's been, and I don't even know why the fuck I'd say it like that, but it's horrible. Like, but at the same time, he, you know, like, ugh, fuck, man. It's like the universe plays this trick on us. Like my dad passed right before the pandemic started and we weren't expecting him to go right then, obviously. But he had COPD, but it was sudden. And it was like, what the fuck? Um, so, so connecting this to life is too short to what we're doing as comics and, and sharing our stories. Um, so I'm so glad I met you through Dangerfields, even though it's no longer there because you make me really laugh very hard. And you're positive and you have a great, you know, process to your craft. And you also don't judge me for my, well, you know what? You can judge me if you want. My dating stories. I'm, I I want to get into it a little bit because you're divorced, right? Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, the thing is, uh, I'm still very good friends. Right. I remember you telling me. Yeah. So it's not like I have, I don't have horror stories. It's like, you know somebody your whole life and then you get married and then it's not what you think it is. Right. And to make a decision to do I live a lie and I cheat and then it's like, oh, now we got kids. And now I'm, I'm like, I'm the guy that's like, go home, take care of his wife. But then as soon as I'm on the road doing comedy, I'm sleeping with everybody, and any, not, not anybody. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> Eddie female, it winks it. Because you know I'm not gay. My husband is, but I'm straight up no chaser. Hi. But I didn't want to go home anymore because we were we were like Oscar and Felix. 
Right. <laughs> so I got to the point and said, wow, how can anybody live with someone like this? And I'm like, I, all right, I, 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 can, I, can, I can change her. And that was the first mistake. You can't change someone. You marry the person you marry and you deal with it. You cannot change somebody. And I'm going to pause on this note. We're going to be right back with our sponsor because we're going to talk about how I tried to change every man's perspective on commitment. Okay. We're back. <laughs> really, the break is so that I can make sure that my daughter's in bed. And <laughs> we're talking about some late night stuff that connects to the comedy world, connects to divorce, connects to dating. Now, I love that you didn't want to, st- I feel like I didn't want to stay in an unhappy marriage and cheat either. And this is before I went into stand-up comedy. I was in, I did used to do improv way before I met my ex-husband at UCB, but I felt like I had to shift who I was because he wasn't as comfortable with me being on stage. So now as I do stand-up material, I met somebody this past summer. He found me on Instagram and he had a divorce podcast and he's in the business but he's in entertainment as an assistant director, producer kind of guy, filmmaking. And he liked my show. And then we became friends. Mm-hmm. And then when we met in person. It's, like, it's almost like he's like, I'm climbing that hill, but I'm going to tell you where I fall off. <laughs> well, okay. So he lives in LA and I live here. And I really felt like there was a connection because we talked on the phone for hours, whatever. Um, he wasn't my typical, he was Latin. I like a thing for the Latin men, but he was different body type. Like he was t- like short, like I like these big bull, like, you know, he was a different type, whatever. It didn't matter. When we met. Did you just drool when you said big ball? <laughs> <laughs> I guess like, I, I don't like them small. I got them big and <laughs> ball and juicy. Like you were talking about a steak. I like a T-bone. Mm. Hold on, let me get a napkin. What, what was I saying? Okay, okay. <laughs> hear, what, once you once you see the playback or hear the playback, you can hear the on the mic. <laughs> I, my face is turning red because I'm so yes. <laughs> so he he's Cuban. I oh. used to say these Puerto Rican guys, but he's Cuban. And, um, <laughs> okay. So, and then we. What? I was trying to do a Des Yarnes impression. Don't, don't even slow down. Just go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, because Zoom, when you both talk sort of at the same time, Zoom cuts you both off and then you can't hear anything. It's so fucking annoying. But <clears throat> so I met, went out to LA and I finally meet him. And we have this chemistry. It's like exploding. Like we're kissing in the ocean. We're making out. It's a whole amazing thing. He um, comes to the show. He brings friends. He asked me to stay with him um, while I'm out there. And it's an amazing time. I really honestly thought like, wow, maybe this guy is going to be the one. But granted, he did say before all this, he's like, I just want to build a friendship with you. You live 3,000 miles away. And I was like, well, I don't want that. And this is never going to work. And but yet we still both engaged in it. In, in person, it was really amazing. And then when I got home, this was the summer. When I got home, I kind of went off on him because, um, okay, well, the first thing was 
when I, he posted something on social media that was of us. And I'm going to show it to you, not on camera now, but I'll show it to you when we're off camera. I'll show you, tell me what you think. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is great. But then I noticed somebody on his Instagram post wrote on his post, who was another person he interviewed for his podcast, another female was like, oh, I wish I was there. And I said something to him. I'm like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? So then he was like, he likes, he likes you. Say that again. Maybe she likes you. <laughs> well, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's, that's a good way to look at it. So I, <laughs> well, I took it the wrong way. And I was like, what the fuck? What kind of friendship do you have with her? Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it, 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 I don't know exactly how she worded it, but if she said, I wish I was there instead of her, then that means she was jealous. Yeah. But if she wish I was there, she said, well, this is my buddy. And who's that hot chick with him? Wow, I wish I was hanging out with him, having fun. She knows both of us. So she's like friends with us both on Instagram, but they did an interview together and they and they did this like like whole friendship post about each other and how he helped her with somebody bullying her on her Instagram. He she lives far away from him too. It's not like they're together or anything, but it was weird. And I said something to him and then he goes, Michelle, I haven't been with the woman in almost three years and I chose to be with you. I don't know what to tell you. Cause he hadn't been with anybody since his ex-wife who cheated on him. So I said, okay, fine. Forget it. So I let it go. And then he calls me back later. He's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And so then the next night he, he and I, we do like an Instagram live and he's saying stuff like, so what's next for Michelle Trina? Are you going to be dating jerk offs now? Jerks still? And I was like, are you serious? Like, I just like, I'm not gonna, I wasn't going to say it on Instagram live, but I was like, we just spent four days together. What? And he's like, you know, you, you deserve a good guy, Michelle. And I was like, okay. So I was like hinting around about him. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is on my Instagram. I blocked him, but he's on my Instagram live from months ago. So then I get off. And I, he calls me or I call him, I forget. And he's like, were you trying to call me out? I said, yeah, you're bringing up guys I date. And like, I just was with you. And, and I, I said, I don't understand why we're not pursuing this. And then he's like, what don't you understand? And like starting to turn like kind of nasty. And I was like, well, we, I feel like we had a really great connection in person. And even before we met, I told you this. And he's like, I don't feel the same way. I said, what? I said, why would you have me stay with you? Why would you be like, I don't understand. And I got really, up. I got annoyed. And then he started being um, nasty. He was like, I'm never going to be your boyfriend. I'm never going to commit to you. And I I said to him, that's fine. I don't want to speak to you ever again. Um, And I should have left it at that. Because it was hurtful. At that point, I was calm and collected. I was like, well, that's just fine, right? So am I doing anything wrong at this point of the story, do you think? Uh, from the male point of view, honestly, I think um, the picture started a little bit of jealousy. In there. And then he probably thought, all right, let me not make this an exclusive relationship until I know exactly where our head is. Because if he saw how you reacted to that, he said, well, if she reacts for a little comment like 
that. What is she going to do when, oh, I post a picture. It's like, that's my cousin I'm hugging. That's not what I'm dating. Why are you flipping on anything a girl puts on my page? So maybe he was taking a step back to watch what you were going to do. And right. maybe, maybe, maybe he was actually just talking about, so what kind of guys are going to date because you guys were doing Instagram Live. So maybe he didn't want to put your relationship on blast until he knew he was comfortable about talking about it because he wasn't sure based on you, like you said, you kind of snapped at him. Yeah. So woman tells me, all right, we went out and we spent a weekend together. And then I come back. So well, who's that girl on your page? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Present <laughs> jury, can you not? No, let's, let's take this slow. And then him aggravating you because he didn't want to talk about, I don't know if you were doing, you know, the Instagram live for like for entertainment or. It was, it was with, random. Yeah, with, with, if it was for people to watch and enjoy, then maybe he didn't want to put it on blast. Now, if you had like a conversation like you have with me and he's like, hey, so, you know, who are you dating now? He's like, um, yeah. um you. that's a one-on-one. That's when you say, he's a freaking idiot. He's asked me a question. He already has answered it. Yeah. But maybe he didn't want to say it out loud. And so like, well, why are you hiding it? Because if he comes out and say, hey, we're dating, we're dating. It's like, he's only doing it to make you happy. He's not doing it because that's what he feels. I, I agree. He, yeah. Okay. So leading up to me meeting him, we were friends for like four months, just virtual talking on the phone, blah, blah, blah. So he has seen my crazy side. And I say this because I have flipped out on him. I was, I flipped out on him to the point where I was like, don't fucking talk to me unless you want to pursue me more than a friend. And then I backtracked. So he knows my little crazy side. He does know I do material about stuff in my life. And so after I said, I don't want to talk to you right now, then it can only be work-based. There's a whole work connection too on here. He introduced me to a producer who likes divorce diaries too. So I, and like he said, he's like, I don't want to produce your film your, your show, but I have like, I'll help you consult it. And throughout the pa- journey of us being friends, he gave my script to a producer. He's like, you earned it, Michelle, you're busting your ass. I was like, okay. So there's also like this little thread of work too. So when I get home from this romance thing, I feel really hurt because I felt like I shared for four months about my past and my intimacy issues. And now you're fucking doing the same shit that the other guys that I fell for did. Like that's fucked up. And I said that, and he felt like, he just felt like he, he didn't agree. And then I, I'm sure he's mad because I did him in material, but he never came out and said it, but then he unfollowed me. And it just like was a spiral of like a spiral of negative feelings. And I finally was like, well, I don't understand. We went from like, he told me, he's like, heal and allow us to be friends and then like, he just stopped talking to me. And I was like, I don't understand. And I, I didn't really do anything purposely to hurt him. I don't know what I did. Well, I mean, just from based on what you told me, it was like, you both did things to each other that you didn't like. So you have to, I mean, you said you unfollow each other, you block each other. That's kind of like extreme. Right. Because forget about the business part, of it, just the, the human being part of it. If you know somebody your whole life, I, I have friends that I don't have anymore because of the whole political thing. The last friends. Yeah. I know that I've known for like 20 plus years. And because I wasn't a big hoorah-rah for Trump, she sent me a private message saying, have a good life. I think you're an idiot. 
And if you don't buy into the Trump, Trump is the greatest thing that ever happened to this country. If you don't buy into it, you're no longer my friend. I said to her, if you're going to let a 20 plus year friendship and not because something I did or you did, because of your belief about someone else. Like if I did something bad to you personally, right? Right. Bad to me, you're an asshole. Right. But the fact I don't believe your agenda makes me an idiot, and I'm no longer a friend. I said, if you're gonna let this, then you never really was my friend. You never really were my friend. Other me because we've known each other, and we would, we have some crazy times together. She's married with a kid. But she would come to the club drunk and we would have fun. And it's like to her, it's like, oh, you don't like Trump, then it's all out the window. So that being said, with this particular guy, uh, you haven't really known him that long. So that means you don't know really about him. Like, what's his middle name? He he doesn't have a middle name. He doesn't? But I know his middle name. If you don't know what he likes, in terms of food, in terms of music. Oh, I know all of that. Well, I mean, you don't know enough. If you say, I've known this guy for like 10 years and then we just started dating. No, you're right. You're right on that. Yes. No, you're right. I agree with you on that. But we did like in for four, four to six months that we were friends. It was a nice connection. I mean, hours on the phone. Like it, it bothers me because I felt like I had high hopes and I just got disappointed again. And then I felt like I I apologized to him. I wrote him a letter in December and sent him and because there's a whole history of us. Like I had long story short, I sent to him a letter apologizing with a little gift card to the pizza place. Cause when I was out there, he like treated me like gold, like took me out, took me to my shows, picked me up, brought friend, like did a lot of nice things, took me to the airport, whatever. So I sent him a letter because my therapist was like, you know, you're in the wrong, Michelle. I feel like you create stories in your head about this one. I was like, what? I don't know if I fully agree with her, but I did enough to say, okay, well, I was reactive um, and I'm going to own up to that, even though I'm still really hurt because he was pretty, he could be a little bit of a prick. I wrote him a letter. I sent it to him. I sent him the little gift card with pizza. And I said, I really just hope we could. And I block. I only blocked him on social media because it was hard for me. He unfollowed my show at some point and then wouldn't give me an answer as to why he unfollowed it. He's like, I don't watch it anymore. I unfollowed. It keeps popping up, except and ex- honor my decision. I was like, okay. I said, I hope that doesn't happen with, because he was still following me on his personal page and other stuff. And I said, I hope that doesn't happen. We're at the extreme opposite when we begin. And he was like, I'm sick. He, he wrote back a message to me that said, I'm trying to think about the big picture. And instead I'm dealing with you like something really nasty like that. And I, that, no, that's actually exactly what he said. And I was like, what the fuck did I do? And I hadn't speaking to him in a month. And so I definitely think it's some of the material that is loosely based off of him that he's like, all right, but he told me to use it like he's like use it create it create from it I was like okay well I'm going to so I wrote him this letter that I said I'm sorry for being reactive I really wish I would have just kept to my mouth shut and not even said anything I really didn't want to lose our friendship despite what my actions said so I wrote in the letter nothing he gets it and I know he gets it because the post office on the receipt has like a tracking number oh so you did uh what do you call it 
term for it? Priority mail. No, priority mail. No, it's something where you have to either sign for it, register it. You have registered mail. Okay, so I didn't think I was doing that, but when you go to the post office now, if you pay for net, like if you pay for postage, you, they give it to you a tracking number. So I was like, I'm not that much of a stalker. You know, that's, that's called registered mail. Registered mail means you get a receipt. Right, okay, so yes. Because if you just put a stamp on it and put it in there, they'll just send it. You don't know if the person got it or not. But if you if this green and white thing on it, it rubs the receipt, and then you can actually go online to see if it was delivered. Right. So I went online to see if it was delivered and it got there. And then uh, I, I remember when it, it said it got there, I was like, oh my God. So I, I was like this with my phone and then nothing happened. And then 10 days go by Christmas night. I get a text from him. So what do you think it said? Before I tell you what it said, what do you think it said? I don't know this guy. So, and I don't know exactly what you put in the letter. I can read it to you if you want. No, I'm just <laughs> but I tell you, but this, this to save a lot of time, he, was, he wasn't forgiven. Okay. <clears throat> he, he said basically that he wishes me well and that he really appreciates the gift and the, and the words but that he's not looking to speak. Then he's, he wasn't forgiving. And I was disappointed. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go to California next weekend. You're gonna see him. You're gonna patch it up. Said not. It, it sounded like the way you set it up that he wasn't forgiving. I I don't know. And then that's what he said. This is exactly what he said. He said, "Merry Christmas." Um, I just, I just, I guess, wonder like why he would even message me back then if he didn't want to speak. It just, it just, it hurts. So my. My connecting to you as with the advice is that I don't know how to let things go. And like, it hurt because I really did feel differently towards him. And I'm like, but as a stand-up comic, I, 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 it just as a creator and a writer, I'm going to write about material in my life. And he knew that. So if that was the issue, which he continues, he did never admitted to that, but I'm assuming it is like, did you ever have anybody that you did material about? or loosely based off that had a problem with it? That's, that's a big, that's, that's actually a big no-no. So what I do is if I have something I want to talk about, I make up imaginary people. There is no person. Like if I say, yeah, I've dated this chick and she didn't, I mean, she couldn't cook. When I say she couldn't cook, she used to burn salad. She said, well, I put it in the microwave too long. So I don't want my ex to think, Oh, you making fun of me? I can cook. Screw you. No, it's not about using an imaginary person that I dated. So anytime I say, hey, unless I say like like a mother or a family member, but if I say a relationship, it's imaginary. Okay. So you you I see I I can't I find it difficult to connect my material if I create imaginary. I mean, it's not directly him. There's there's connections with other men. So I make them like, you know, a caricature. But he took it, I feel like, real personal. Oh, so you already have him in your act already. The, the little short Cuban guy who... Wow. Well, the look, see, I wish everybody there could see the look on her face right now. I talk about his ass every night. My... <laughs> did, I ever, did I ever tell you that the coach's wife called, uh, emailed me? 
Remember we were talking about the coach on the last one last year? He ended up being married. <clears throat> coach. Vaguely. So, <laughs> I know I'm the problem. Now, it's not, you know what? It's not so much that you're the problem. I think you put yourself in situations where you have to be ready for. And the right. fact that you knew someone for four months online only, and then you met him, and you spent a couple of days with him, and then you immediately jumped in. You jumped in the deep end. <laughs> saying, you know what? Hey, I'm going back to New York. You know, hey, it was nice. Thank you so much for everything you've done. Hug, kissy, kissy. You know, you're the reason why I don't wear underwear anymore. So um, take care. <laughs> Let's keep in touch. If you keep it light, no matter how you feel inside, you keep it light, you won't have any problems. That's that's how I try to live my life from relationship to relationship. Because if I if I say, listen, I want to find somebody and I'm watching everything they do with a fine tooth comb and then back that I've known this person for four months and then I'm with them, whether you slept with them or not, now they're looking at pictures. Why would you give a comment like that? That to me is like you went in really, really fast. I do that all the time. Well, you should not, you should take it slower. So I don't date and I don't put myself out there, but when I like somebody and he was the first guy I liked in a long time, I just jump in and, and he shared with me, like we talked for on the phone for hours each night. Right. And he would share personal details about his life. And like that, like he was not like, like the, the male version of me. I thought like intimacy wise. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. And then like, when we met, I was like, oh my God, we're such dorks. Like we're similar. And then like, it was, but then he's a prick too. Like he said to me one night, he goes, why are you the only person I know that went to NYU? He goes, I I have film friends who are really talented and I have some that aren't really talented, but both of them who went to NYU are all rich. Why are you poor? That's what he said to me. I'm like, fuck you. I said to him, I said, are you joking? And he, I said, I'm not poor, poor. But first of all, I went to NYU and I'm not poor. I'm not, like, I, I'm working my ass off to get to a different level now. So the fact that he said that, and he grew up with a single mom, dirt ass poor, pissing me the fuck off. I'm like, why would you say that? And he's like, you took it the wrong way. Yeah, you don't even say something like that because it's like, you don't, you have to identify a person's hustle. And there's this, there's people who aren't where they need to be and they're lazy. And there are people who aren't where they need to be, but they hustle. You're, you're, I'll go say a hustler, but you hustle. Yeah. And he knows that, but I feel like he was like gaslighting me to get pissed off. Well, I, I don't know if he was doing it to get you pissed off, but he, sometimes people say things they don't mean. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like me. I've been in the business over 30 years and people say well how come you're not famous because everybody that i started with is famous and i was like oh, i should be famous too I said no it's one thing to be famous another thing to be successful because you can, it's a long time but never learn anything i know i can name three comics right now who have been in the game longer than me but i still see them bomb yeah but wow. my thing is if someone says quentin this is your chance and i go and then i blow it out the water. They said, where have you been? That's what they said. Overnight success. We didn't know about you. No, I've been simmering for 30 plus years. You just never took attention to it. So the fact that you are not where you want to be professionally doesn't mean that you're poor, that you're not at the level 
that you think you should be. Right. Like, that's why people who are at the hustle level need each other. Jay-Z started somewhere. Beyonce started somewhere. But you know what? Once they both got to the level, they, they got it together. Now they're powerful. So you got to meet people like-minded that say, listen, you are where you're at and I'm where I'm at. That's what I call, when, especially when it comes to relationships and marriage and dating. If you meet someone that has the same intensity as you and they understand you, that makes for a good team. And a relationship is a team. Marriage is a contract. That's why you both got to sign it. So for me, I signed a contract with my ex that she wasn't really obligated to. She just figured her past marriage didn't go well. This is a sweet guy. Now I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. If I don't feel like cleaning, if I don't feel like washing, I don't. You know what? He does. He loves to clean. So I let him do it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slavery was abolished in 1865, baby. Emancipation for <laughs> A.B. Lincoln said, uh-uh, no, no. You do your own shit. That is just black. But it's like when people show you a facade and then they marry you and then they switch up, you feel cheated. So maybe even at the level at the beginning, you saw something. He saw something, but then as you guys talked so much, you started hearing things, and he started hearing things that y'all didn't like about each other. And then you tried to make it work when you met. And physically, it probably worked out, but then back to online, it got kind of weird. Yeah, I think I did. I think that you put it best as I jump into the deep end. Yeah. There's something wrong. I mean, some people. Like me, I kind of like being alone. That's why this pandemic has not affected me mentally, because right. only the only thing that I I have I I can say, and I'm I'm probably like you, when I do talk to people on the phone or if I talk to people on Zoom or any kind of like messenger, any kind of video or audio chat, I do tend to run off at the mouth, because I'm used to talking for a living. Right. So when I don't talk, I mean, there was like maybe three or four days last week, didn't talk to anybody. Didn't, I was I was watching movies, I cooked, I cleaned. I didn't actually say a word out loud. And then I was on the phone with one of my, my cousins. And I was like, dude, yo, dog, can I can I say something? You love <laughs> I've been talking it so long. I'm just I got so much to say. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's like reading a book. You don't read a book, but then you find a really good book. You don't want to put it down. Oh, you want yeah. to that's how I'm about talking. That's why when we that's why I think people listening like us. Because we both, we love to flap our gums. And, and we, our necks. we flap our gums and our necks and our, our conversation about something that I feel like we can bounce off of each other because well, you have some poignant ways of, you have some poignant, poignant statements about stuff like this, which a lot of people have been listening to me talk about this guy. Um, I mean, he used to listen to the podcast, but and hopefully he is still listening. I'm just joking. Well, I mean, if he if he blocked you, he probably knows. No, he does. He hasn't blocked. He hasn't blocked me. Not that I know of. I blocked him. If you blocked him, then of course he won't be able to hear anything because he has no access to you. Right. So I blocked him on my Instagram and my Facebook, and then he could access me other ways. I just didn't want to look at his page. That's why I, I did it really for me, not for him. And I felt like he was, I just felt uncomfortable at that point where it's like, okay, I don't want to keep looking to see if he's like now unfollowing my personal page too and feel sad. 
So I just took the liberty of blocking him and saying, fuck him. And then a month went by. And that's when I talked to my therapist and I had said, all right, I'll write in this letter. And it didn't seem to, I really just asked him to start over as acquaintances. Yeah. Well, see, the problem with that is you can't go backwards. You just said, block, block, unfriend, screw you. But then a month later, um, Merry Christmas and sorry thing worked out. Nah, you can't, that's, for me, I don't go backwards. I go forwards. If someone is like that with me, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. I mean, I'll help you with your projects, but in terms of being friends, I'm done. You can't go back and say, well, maybe that was a little too harsh. Let me friend him again. Let me unblock him. Because now he's going to be afraid that every time you get upset, you're going to keep blocking. Then you well, unblock he got upset with so he first unfollowed my show under his personal page on his podcast he didn't and on his personal page he didn't unfollow my personal but he literally he was following my hashtag following my and he unfollowed both and i was like what the fuck and i only found out because i go through my list to unfollow people who are not following me randoms right and he was on there i was like what happened and then I asked him, I said, what, would you hate me now or something? And, and then there's this, this whole thing where it's like, I didn't want to block him, but I was getting so anxious about what was happening that I just needed to tune out. And then when I wrote him the letter, I said, you know, I don't know what will get me to, what will get you to speak to me. That is because I wished him a happy birthday before that. He didn't wish me a happy birthday. He was very rude and cold before I blocked him. And I, I honestly don't, it's it's either the material or legit is disgusted by me but he went from we're gonna be lifelong friends please heal and be let us because after we slept together he's like please allow us to heal please heal and allow us to be friends again that's what he said to me there's a little bit more to the story i guess but it will be here for another hour but you're right i think you get the gist of it i am really sad that that it I'm sad that it took such a turn for the worse after I left LA. I wish I would have just kept my mouth shut. Possibly. And I, and I could tell you, I, I think I know why he unfollowed your divorce diaries page. He got tired of seeing you posting videos, you making damn coffee. If, <laughs> if I see one more video pop up, it's like eh, notification. Oh, put up a video. I'm making coffee. I'm just like, oh. We get it. You love coffee. <laughs> I have to, well, I haven't been doing that one as much because I'm getting sick of it. I love my coffee too, but I'm trying to serve more of a purpose to the show and the comedic relief. So I haven't been doing that one as much, although it might've popped up today. That's a joke with you. Cause there was a string where every day I watched you make coffee. Yeah, there was. Either a little video or just a picture and you have your like Cafe Bustelo, whatever the hell. It's like, oh my God. I even know the man she uses now, Lord. And let me tell you something. I'm trying to get a sponsorship with them. And the fact that so many people have said that fucking coffee, I, you know what they sent me? They sent me a coupon. They didn't even send me a freaking free pub, fuck, coupon. I get it for $2 at ShopRite. So I have to hit them up again. Cause I'm like, dude. All right, let's tie this into, wait. So we're going to tie this in. So are you currently dating? Are you in a relationship? Are you single, ready to not mingle, mingle, what? Um, or don't want to share? No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it vaguely. My situation is, uh, 
I was kind of in a relationship that was weird to the point that if you're with someone, and of course the pandemic plays a role, but if you're vaxxed and I'm vaxxed, you're boosted, I'm boosted. And we can spend time together because we're both cool. Right. Uh, but you don't see somebody for like four months, five months. You talk to them every, maybe every other day, maybe three days a week. You kind of like what's going on. Yeah. And the person kind of like, well, I need my space. And maybe, you know, we need to you know, take a step back. And I'm like, but where is this coming from? So I'm letting this person have this space. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm thinking this is better for me because this person actually works with kids. They're a New York school teacher and she got COVID two weeks ago. She thinks she's on the job. Yeah, so many of the teachers are getting COVID because of it. because, because, Because of the kids. Because you can do everything perfect. Put your mask on, get your shots, da 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 da. And I mean, she was even she even got a flu shot the same day she got her booster. So she's like, "I'm I'm good, I'm clean, I'm ready, I'm ready for fire." But the littlest slip up, you can be with a room full of kids, and said it was even that the school itself was set up that everything was perfect. But you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time with a kid who brought it from home, and you kind of like. So I see people. Even like for me, I don't wear a mask on the street. Right. Because you're, yeah. Walk, I'm in the bus. As soon as I go into a store or I go into any place that's indoors, I put it on. Yeah, I've like, been doing that too. Same. And I'm boosting. I mean, it was weird because New Year's Eve, I worked in the Poconos. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I got the mask on. I'm at the bar waiting to go up. And then I go on stage and I have a professional mic cover. And yeah. my, my, my line is love everybody, trust no one. I love that. Yeah, 100%. It's a laugh. It's a, I said, I love all of y'all. Trust no one. I put the mic I like cover that. back. Then when I get off stage, I put the mask back on. But I see people in the audience aren't wearing a mask. They yeah. want to come up. Let me, let me, give, uh, yeah, you got merchandise. Let me buy something for you. They laughing. They coughing. <laughs> yeah, man, who would have drink? Let me buy you a drink. They, they're coughing because they've been drinking and people lose their inhibitions. It's like, I don't want to put that mask on. Man, take your mask off, man. You, 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 got the, you got the vaccination. I said, it's not. It's not a hundred percent. Nothing's a hundred percent. You just. I mean, it lessens the severity. But right. I have. I have. I have pre I sound like you now. I got. I feel very New Yorkish. You got really Italian about a while ago. But it's like <laughs> I have existing conditions. So I've dodged this bullet for two years. Yeah. And girl, I'm saying she dodged the same bullet, but something happened where she let her guard down and she got COVID. And she was on her ass for like, I think she's just now feeling better. So we're talking about from New Year's Eve to now, we're talking about two weeks. Right. This is after vaccination boosted and a flu shot. So, so the, yeah. Kind of good, going back to the relationship, it's kind of good that I've been by myself because even if I had COVID, then know it, I'm incubated. I don't have to go, oh, I got to go in quarantine for 10, 15 days. No, I'm alone. Basically, out of a month of 30 days, I'm by myself, maybe 20 to 25 of those days. I don't go to the store. 
I don't go out anywhere. I stay home and I'm by myself. I work out. Like I said, watch movies. I clean. I said, ooh, we getting funky in this bathroom. So I, I put on some music, put on some gospel. Hi, Jesus. Clean the bathroom. That's what I'm saying. Hey, you know, have fun. You got to come by yourself. If you're not comfortable by yourself, you can't be in a relationship if you're not comfortable alone. Because sometimes you can be in a relationship and say, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to see you like for a couple of days. Or something happens like with you where you have a misunderstanding and then you're by yourself. Yeah. That's when you say, because, oh, I'm alone. I'm alone again. I'm alone again. Tomorrow's like, I like being alone. Fuck it. I love, let me tell you, I have loved being alone. It's the getting my hopes up when I meet someone that I connect with. And then I get this feeling of, oh, like the, the, the time that we had in LA was really romantic. I haven't had that in years. And I think that that opened up a little can of worms in my head. And I was like, oh, this is really, and then it was a disappointment. And then I was like, see, this is why I don't want to put myself out there because I was happy before I met him. I was writing the pilot. We had the, I shot the pilot last year. I was on a fucking track and he actually was a very motivating friend. So it was good. But then until it became a distraction where I was so sad about it that I would wake up and not be as motivated. And I'm like, no, no, this is, this is not it. This is not what I wanted. Um, but I think the alone part, I do like being alone. I like that. I have to get to know myself and fucking be okay with, um, maybe the love of my life is not meant to be in this lifetime. Um, that's a hard pill for me to swallow though. That is hard for me to swallow. Maybe, maybe, um, you shouldn't be looking for the love. You, you look, you, you're watching the microwave cook your food. <laughs> timer and watching the food spin around because you can't wait to eat. Looking too hard. Instead of just, hey, you put it in there for five minutes and you walk away. You walk away and you do what you do. All of a boom. Oh my God, it's ready already. That's how I. I love that. I'm not going out there looking for anything. But if someone says, wow, Q, you're really, really, I love your, your energy. You know, let's have dinner. I'll, you know, I got vaccinated, come by the house, I live alone, and we can, you know, you'll feel safe. Okay. I'm not going to go, oh, my God, you could be the one. I don't have to watch the microwave anymore. No, it's like, <laughs> I think, and forgive me if I'm talking out of line, okay. I think. He went to LA. You shouldn't have gave him that. That was the first thing. I shouldn't have. You're right. I wanted to. That. No, no, no. And like I said, forgive me and your listeners for being gross. You can be horny as hell. You see the guys. They feel like me. No, no, I'm going to sleep on the couch. And then when he's supposed to sleep, you go in the bathroom, masturbate, and you go to bed. I know. I have, I have beautiful female friends that people say, tell me that you're sleeping with her. I said, no, that's my, that's my girl. It's my friend. Yeah. But then in, it's like, oh, well, if I'm going to hang out with them, I got to do something because I can't walk around this person. It's summertime. Oh, look at that dress. Lord Jesus. Woo. <laughs> hey, Lord. Keep me strong. <laughs> well, he wrote so an episode about me. He put, like posted an episode about me on his podcast afterwards and said that he didn't t- say my name, but he said, that you know the girl the, the woman that he slept with after two and a half years and then he says at the very end he's like and I think she's listening and I want to let her know that I do think she's special even though I don't want a relationship with her 
And I never listened to it until October. He did it in the end of August. And I I was like, uh-oh. I didn't know he posted this. And I don't know if he was like mad because then I was like doing material. You, you know, like there's other like little things that have happened. Well, I mean, as, as long as you don't name each other. You know? I, I know. But like, I think he knew I was doing him. So he was like, well, fuck you. But I don't know. He never really identified it. But I think, okay, so... We have a lot of great stuff that we talked about tonight. Um, and you're so wise. And in a way that like, I get, I get it. The microwave thing is a good analogy for me. It's a good visual for me um, because I do do that. Um, and also with the, with divorce diaries, like I'm so hungry to bring this to, to partner with a production company and to, you know, continue this next chapter. I'm full-time acting and back in the game of what I started out in my twenties it's like, I'm just feeling my, I'm feeling like I'm 40 and like, I should be five years ago. Like I'm feeling my, I think 40 is young. It's just that I'm feeling at times, like, is it too late? And that's a silly question, but I ask it sometimes. I, I, you know, I'm never going to quit, but I get that in my head sometimes with the love and the career thoughts. At 40, you Unless you have different, like if you say, I want to be a runaway model, and I say, hey, you got the body for it, but they're not going to want anybody above like 25, 30. That's different. But in terms of, and this is what someone said to me one time at Dangerfield. They say, well, why are you guys over 50 wasting waste your time? It's too late for you. And I said, you are in a club with a gentleman. Rodney, Jacob Cohen, his real name, was his first, and when he was uh, first started doing stand-up comedy, he was a bust. He left it and came back in his 50s and became a success. Oh, that's right. You're right. When he was, I forgot his, I forgot his, his uh, comedy name. His real name is Jacob Cohen. It was something weird. And then he took on the name Roddy Dangerfield. And then by 69, he had enough success that he opened his own club. Now, when someone says it's too late, it's too late. No. If you want to dance, it's too late. If you want to, if you want to do comedy, it's like you can look at people like Don Rickles. Yeah. Look at people who are on stage who are older. Don Rickles was doing comedy in his eighties. Yeah. Frank Sinatra was singing, even when yeah. he wasn't around to get anymore. So it's not about we're in a profession where you have to be a certain age as long as you're entertaining. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm. Sometimes don't even look good. Like 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 Pat Patton Oswald. Yeah. Patton Oswald looks like a troll that should be under the bridge. But you know, when he's on stage, he may he may not be my personal cup of tea, but when he's on stage, he entertains his audience and they love him. Right. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. So you don't have to be, you know, even hey, look at Denzel. Denzel is, I think, 65 now, and he's he, he's put on like like most of us guys because I'll be 60 next weekend. What? Yeah, January 28th. I don't know when this is going to air, but January 28th, 2022. Okay, will, hold on. Let me put this on my calendar. I will be. No, you probably get a notification on Facebook. On Facebook, but I'm still going to put it on my calendar because this Thank that's when we'll release the episode then. Yeah, January twenty eighth, I will be six zero. Cute. Think as long as you have 
the art in your system, as long as you have the entertainment in your system. I'm not trying to be a boxer. I'm not trying to like become like you know champion of the world at my age. No, it's too late for that. But as long as you know how to handle yourself on stage and you're good and you can handle it and you have great improv skills and you're just funny and you're entertaining, you can do this to your dying day. That's why comics never retire. Yeah. On Rickles of the World, and they say, hey, God, they want to book you. What's the money like? Are they going to give you this amount of money? Sure, I'll go do it. Red Fox. Red Fox was doing it well into his 70s right before he died. You can do it as long as you want to do it, as long as you're healthy and as long as your perspective is clean, not clean in terms of language, but like say like what Dice Clay tried to do. Dice Clay had a style that people loved. Yeah. And he famous. He wasn't even he wasn't even Dice Man. The Dice Man. People don't realize it that Andrew Clay, Andrew Silverstein, uh, he when I used to work at when I first started working at Dangerfield. Long story short. Yeah. Um, the Dice Man was his closing bit. Oh. The whole turn around and do the cigarette and you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That was his closer. But it got such a great response that he became, that, that character became his yeah. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like if you see like a Jerry Lewis. Jerry yeah. Lewis, if he talks like like himself, all right, he's funny, but I want to hear him do the Nutty Professor. People recognize him as a Nutty Professor. So they say, oh my God, that's a Jerry Lewis. I like the Nutty. Just, I don't want the, the serious and stern Jerry Lewis. I want the crazy one. It's like, it's like what um, what's his name tried um, Jim Carrey tried to do. They always wanted Jim Carrey funny, crazy, and everything. And he kind of back. After you hit a certain age, you stop trying to be silly. You want to be funny, but you don't want to be silly. Only mm-hmm. person that that really got away with being silly later on in life is Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Rip Taylor. And who? Rip Taylor. Oh yeah. All your listeners, Google Rip Taylor, R-I-P. I know Rip. Rip Taylor used to go on a Tonight Show. He was a fan favorite. He did the same routine. He would go up there and he would like, you know, with the confetti and he would go, it was a prop comic. He just went up, he just went through the crowd and through confetti and just went crazy. He was like a fireball for 10 minutes, but then you see him like, he did the muscular, dis- muscular dystrophy thing. That's the same stuff he did like two months ago on the Tonight Show. Then he did another show it's the same thing, but people like laugh because he was a fireball. And then he, I forgot which film that he actually had a part where he wasn't wearing a toupee and it was more of a serious part. He had, he had to, the top of his head was bald and people didn't even recognize him because they didn't know him that way. He was known for being the crazy guy with the confetti. Dan, 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 dan. They know him for that. Like if, 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 um, if Don Rickles rests, rest, 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 may he rest in peace. If he stopped doing it, if he say, hey, I want to just tell straight jokes. I don't want to insult anybody. Why? Why are you changing your style? Like with Dice Clay. Dice Clay said, listen, the style that got me where I, where I was hot, come out in the 80s and 90s, I don't want to do it anymore. I want to change it up and do something for the ladies. They actually wanted him to be in a sitcom, a remake of The Honeymoons. I remember so, that, hearing about that. That was that ruined his career because they tried to change him. Right, and I I think though that because he does stuff now, I know he's touring. I haven't seen him in person, but I don't know what his act is and how he shifted a little bit. But I know he's still like those. Those are great stories. First of all, by the way, thank you because I I think that there are people who listen to this podcast that 
are my age or any age that could think their age is a number that might define them. And I tend to try not to do that, but for some reason, turning 40 has shifted it a little bit and I keep questioning it's because this, the entertainment business is, can be very tricky to move to where you want to be. Right. How many people have TV pilots? So many people have a script. I got a script right here, you know? So it's like, for me, what I'm trying to do, and I'm, I'm a quote unquote, no name. It's so hard, but it's like, I'm just, I don't even care. I'm just going to keep going. I love like this every day. The journey is a great, so I keep saying to myself, just keep going. But I really appreciate the words because it, it means something. Because I'll go online after we get done recording. I'll go online and I'll Google every single person you just talked about and reread their story. Just to get that into my head and motivational for myself to just fucking keep plugging. For you personally, uh, I forgot which, which actress, actress said this. But I know, I remember the quote and it stuck in my head. I just forgot who said it. It's like, you can be the sexy uh, girlfriend or you could be as little older, the sexy wife. Or I could be the sexy mother. Or I could be the really wild and crazy, fun-loving and sexy grandma. <laughs> Always be something for you as long as you're, you're, you're talented. And you look at Betty White. I know, I know. I look at pictures of her when she had um, her, uh, uh, I think it was, I love Elizabeth, something like that. It was yeah. like, her name was Elizabeth yeah. and she was gorgeous. Gorgeous. But as, as time went on, she kept acting because she knew where she stood. So when she got into another sitcom, another sitcom, then she got on the Mary Tyler Moore show. It yeah. wasn't about her being pretty anymore. It was about her being sassy. It's where she stood. That's such a great point. It's where you stand. Yep. The Golden Girls, it was about, all right, now she's not so much sassy, but now she's kind of like, I'm kind of dumb and naive. So I love that you said that because that's like, it's kind of like to be, be humble and take what, what's, you know, the great gratitude of what's being offered. Like I got a, I got cast in playing a debt. I played a, a victim in a reenactment of a crime, true crime documentary. I was so happy to get the casting and I was, I didn't even have lines, but I had to do all movement stuff. It was great. This is, so can you die right? Sure, I can die. I, I can, can do play, anything you want. <laughs> I can play good. Watch me fall down. Boom. You got the part. And in the storyline, the storyline, it's going to be on, on call with Paula Zahn in a couple weeks. And the storyline is a woman from Georgia who was like, left her back door open. She was in her late 40s. I was like, well, I'm not late 40s, but I'll take the job. <laughs> I'll play it. I don't care. And she was like, she uh, was with this guy who gave her the apartment and they don't know if the guy was connected to the murder. I was like, oh God, please. This is starting to sound like the men I date. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but so I want to, so let's tie into the closing is how can people find you if they're interested in learning more about your comedy and your, you have such a rich history in the comedy profession Where's the first place, um, and and your you know people can go and look more about your work online. Uh, it, it's not like I have like uh, not memoirs. But it's not like I have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? People have they do daily stories of their life. A blog. Yes, okay. I don't have a blog. Uh, if anybody wants to follow me, I have different hashtags. Not hashtags, but I have different. 
if you put in, I'm sure that you'll, you'll, you'll give them that it's Quentin Hedges, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N-H-E-G-G-S. Put on any social media. You, if you go on Instagram, just put in Quentin. I could say it's comedian Q, it's comedian underscore Q Hedges. But you, if you just put in Quentin Hedges, any social media, I have I have a YouTube page, I have Instagram, I have Twitter, and of course I have uh, Facebook, and that's where they can find me there. I don't really post a lot of personal or gives oh you got to promote where you're going to work it's like a lot of times like especially if i do private right now the work is very far and few between yeah so like the next two weekends i'm working i have a question mark for something in, in february i have a question mark for something in march so i don't really even talk about it because yeah. i know a very good friend i don't know if you yamanika sanders i don't know her uh, yamanika fantastic uh female comic i shouldn't even say female she's a comic the fact that it says she, duh, she's a comic. Oh, yes. Some of this gender thing. So she's a female comic. Fantastic. And she had to actually go online on Instagram and apologize to people who have bought tickets to the show in advance. Yeah. So that's why, unless I know I'm really, really confirmed, I really don't like to, to, and you got to promote it. That way you can show people you can, you're a draw, you can bring people in. I said, but it's kind of hard to do now because people that really want to see you they're still thinking do i go into a place that's confined and i might get sick or, or better just to watch him online if he does like a zoom show and it's hard to even do zoom shows because it's hard for me i mean i, I remember when comics first started doing zoom shows and i'm like hey a friend gave me the link so you come on and watch for free but it's like it's like me they're just in their living room sitting now just telling jokes but everybody that was listening were other comics waiting their turn. Right. So you're not really learning your art because you're not, you're not really given. It's, it's like singing in the shower to me. It's like, you're not going to get a real deep respect. People go, Hey, Hey, they're going to support you because they're other comics who are waiting. I remember one time I went to uh this was long when I first started and I was at open mic and all the comics were sitting with their pads writing. And they look up and go, ha 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 ha. And I hate that. I'm watching them do that to every comment. You're not even really laughing. You're not paying attention. You just think that no one else is laughing. They had a small audience. So you're doing it to encourage them, but you're not encouraging them. Yeah. They, I'd rather hear a real hearty. Because <laughs> I'm on stage. And I hear that. I think that's a fucked up laugh. You're not really laughing at what I'm saying. You try to laugh. to get other people to laugh. It's a common thing because we're so used to doing five different things at once. And for me personally, I need to get in the habit of staying in tune with one thing at a time. And when you do these open mics, I'm not, I'm not turned on by the open mics, especially now in New York. I don't go in for an open mic. I'm fucking doing it alive on Instagram or Zoom or something because I my own personal schedule with my daughter. And on top of that, who the fuck knows if I'm going to go in and get COVID, <laughs> you know, like. So like I had, I had divorce diaries this past Sunday at Broadway. I brought my own mic. I had the, I Lysol, but I still left. And I was like, please, I just took a COVID test today. Cause I have to, my friend is pregnant. She wants everyone to get a COVID test. I was just like, please God, let me not have anything. But the open mic in itself. Yes. I've been there where you're like, are people paying attention? Are they, are they listening to what I'm saying? Cause then what the fuck is the point? I think certain comics at a certain time in your life, you got to drop the open mics. An audition is different. Yeah. If someone says, I would like you to do my club. I don't know you. 
let's say like if they say God come in and do like a, a six minute set, we take a look at you. It's not open mic. We're like 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 Dave goes, we're gonna put you in, in part of the show. We want to see how you you know how you fit in with the club. But when comics do open mics, it's like especially Brigham shows. Brigham shows I've, I've seen a thousand of them, and it's like you know when we had those at Dangerfields, and I'm not gonna name the producers. They you know they do their best they can to make them money. But when you have a comic or comic wannabe who brings in 10, 15, 20 people and he hears laughter, it's so disconcerting. It's like, you can't learn from that. I don't understand why people say, you got to bring friends, you got to bring family. And then the next show, you got to bring friends, you got to bring family. You got to keep asking the same people to come out. And you're still doing the same five or six minutes. So that's why I said, listen, you got to get to a point where I know it's hard. You need stage time, but it's got to be like, hey, can I just like, uh, you find like a smaller club. I know comics that we're trying to get in danger those days. Well, we've been doing comedy more than a week. Can I, can I get a guest spot? I said, dude, you, you, don't, you don't get a heavyweight championship fight in your first fight. I said, you know what? They have clubs in Brooklyn. They got clubs in Queens. They got little, little hideaway places. Learn the art. You know, go up there and then you can come and audition at the big club. Don't jump. Don't jump in the deep end right away. I love that. Yes, you just tied it in. Yes. Oh. You, jump, you jump in the deep end and then you don't have your friends there. Yeah. And then you don't get the laughs anymore. And you think, oh, I suck. I don't want to do this anymore. No, because you didn't give yourself the proper way. I suck for a couple of different sets. My first six or seven months on comedy, I had best. Because I was I, like, you go up late. People are tired. And uh, and you think, oh, it's me, it's me. So, no, it's not me. I got to rearrange what I'm doing. I got to ask up a little bit early. And if I don't go earlier, I got to tie in me going in late. If you can't make a joke about the fact that I know I'm the last one, I'll make this as short as possible. So I know you're tired. I can, I can feel it. I, I saw somebody sleeping in the bathroom. I know you're tired. <laughs> Find a way to make it funny that you're going to blast. And if you can't do that, if you go to and say, hey, let's welcome Quentin Hags. All right, guys. Um, so that-da-da-da-da. Uh, and you just do it like a robot, and people don't laugh, and then you do the same thing the next night, the same thing. You're not really learning. You're not really learning. Yeah, 100%. The way you told me that you uh, you study improv, that's the best thing for a company. Oh, I was embedded in UCB for years, and then I got married, and I paused on everything. I, I also know that what you're saying, when I've watched you... I tap into how you're engaged. When I watched you at Dangerfields, I was tapping into how you're engaging the audience. And I, I kept would listen to my set and I would say, well, Michelle, you didn't read. If there was something that was off for myself and, and even in other nights, you're not reading the audience. Like you're rushing your material. So in agreeing and to agree with you on, sorry, to connect it to the bringer show, I'm going to flat out say, I hate bringer shows because um, I, I get the, you know, when you're first starting out, but I hate the bringer show because of what's behind it. It's just for the producer to make money. I know I might get hated on for saying that. I love my show. I love Divorce Diaries. I bust my ass to promote the brand in healing through humor and not just to get people so that I get paid. No, it's about building a brand that's a team of people that want to keep coming back episodically so that eventually when it's on television, they're like, oh, we're, we're all about just divorce diaries. It's about like being a hot mess. It's about being all over the place. It's about children with special needs and juggling dating. It's fucking awesome. I'm in that role. I'm a, th- you know, like it's that. It's not 
just buy the ticket, you know? So like, I love that you said that because it's the craft why we come to it. We want people to keep coming back because they're enjoying and they're taking a load off and they're connecting and they're feeling like life isn't miserable. I love you, Q. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Wonder why, because you do comedy clubs. I wonder why you never, uh, I don't, I'm saying you didn't, I'm saying you took this to like off Broadway. So I'm in show. I love that you just said that because I don't know if you know this about me, but I did do an off-Broadway one-woman show way before I started stand-up comedy called How to Be a Successful Teacher at Theater Row uh, in the United Solo Festival years ago when I was actually technically still married. But I have you are the second person that asked me this in recent weeks. And I am looking into that because I would love to do it. I, I do think that it belongs as a... You know, I do think that's like the next, that's, I would die for that. It to be at Joe's pub and, oh my God, I would die. Um, a lot of people that have made success in television started in the theater. Oh yeah. I heard the stories about like uh, with Sherman Hemsley. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it was Norman Lear himself, but some people saw him in Curly. Mm-hmm. And Broadway, he wasn't even the lead. And they yeah. said that this guy has a, we like his energy. He would be great to play opposite Carol O'Connor's Archie Bunker in a couple of episodes. He could be the black neighbor. That's his mirror image. Yeah. And then it went from like, all right, we're going to introduce George Jefferson. And now, boom, now they have their own show. So I see the Boys Diaries as a brand where you could do a show and it's not just stand up. It's like, these are the stories, and this is, it's almost like with, um, with uh, Whoopi Goldberg did at the beginning. Whoopi Goldberg did a whole show where she was different characters. So you could do a show where this is different stages of your life. Like, this is your stage when you were 19 before you even thought about marriage. And yeah. then all of a sudden, a costume change. This is me. I met someone, and I'm going to get married. And I married, and I'm not happy. And then the final is, this is divorce. That's the longest part of the play. That this is what happens. What happens to the little girl that always wanted to be married? If you can do that, that would be fucking fantastic. I'm getting so excited because that is what this since the summer I create the show has that through line. Except um, now it's expanding it further as the characters. I fucking love that because I I've been doing a little bit of dance in there when I was in middle school. I just wanted somebody to dance with, and I sing Whitney Houston on stage. I'm not a singer, but I do it. And, and like, I, I get all into this and then I go into high college, my ex-husband and then divorce. So that's amazing that you even just said that. Um, oh, I am feeling so inspired by this episode. I sounded so corny just now. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we've been recording for an hour and a half, almost two hours. Well, I mean, it's, however you uh, edit, Chop I'm not gonna edit it. I love it. <laughs> Do you, unless you want me to. I don't edit these things. I just put them up. But whatever you have the 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 this, the slot for, I mean, it it would be great if you can put it on on Facebook. Facebook or, or, I don't know. There's there's so much media like uh, you can make money on media that if you have somebody listening or watching long enough, you can monetize it. So my anchor does do that. 
which is why I was like, I, yeah, that's how I know ours was the highest. Cause it made, it, it's not a lot. It's like, I think I, I think I made 20 bucks last year, but I make, because I don't have a big audience, but I, I have, you have sponsor ads and you get paid like, but with that said, I can break up our episode and release it over the next four weeks, an episode a week. And then each episode can make money. You could do that. Or you can have like a unedited full version. Yeah. You could just like break it up. Cause it probably, I think people really don't want to sit for an hour and a half and listen yeah. to us. So maybe if you can if you edit a certain way, like, you know, you Although, have, cause you only took one official break. We only took one official break that was a few seconds just to make sure. Speaking of which, she's probably asleep and I have to carry her to her bed. That's what I do right now. I carry her from the couch to the bed. She falls asleep to Golden Girls, speaking of Betty White. I'm not even kidding. Wow. Well, I'm, I hope you get everybody, uh, I hope you have some new followers, some new listeners. I hope that we break the record that we set last year. And I hope to see you soon this year. Um, Quentin Heggs, everybody, is a great comic. He's very smart and he's motivated me tonight. And I promise you, I will not text this guy again. <laughs> no, don't promise that. Promise that if you do talk to him again, because I've had relationships in, in my past where it was physical and it kind of ruined the relationship. Do you? I, I, had, I had one relationship where we worked together. When I worked in television, I was doing a warm up, and then she was like, you know, a makeup artist, and we were just buddy buddy. And then one night, we both went drinking, and something happened. For six months, it was like, wow, this is great. And then all of a sudden, one little argument, it was like, screw you, screw you. I said, I didn't even do anything. Well, yeah, that, it became such hellacious. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't like confrontations. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to go there. You go and get some rest. I'll get some rest. Let's talk tomorrow. But it was like in each other's faces yelling. And that's not me. So it took me, it took me out of my element. Yeah. You're a calm person too, from what I see here. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if every, there, there is actually, I'm going to send you, uh, I'll send you a link. There's a video online from 2019 where I was being uh, approached by a waiter on his day off who was heckling me. And he went to the bar and he just wouldn't shut up and uh, never touch a comic. <gasps> never touch a comedian. Even if you were to say something and you poke him in his chest, don't do that. No, don't touch a comedian, especially Quentin Heggs, because he's amazing. And well, it's amazing that when he hit the floor, because I didn't even I didn't even punch this this happened at the bar at Dangerfield. I didn't even punch him. I just, I gave him a nice little shove and I'll send you the link. Oh my God, send it to me. I thank you so much for taking the time tonight to be on my podcast and talk with me and listen and share your journey. And I look forward to our, the next episode that we do this on. And I hope that we do see each other soon. Um, and the world shifts a little bit over somehow COVID kind of dips out in a different way. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, ladies, um, shade. Shave your cuckoo, and, and and it just leave a little landing landing strip. That's all we need, landing strip. Because sometimes you know, and and don't wear no underwear. Michelle is hundred right. Let let it breathe, but don't 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 let the forest get too too many leaves and trees. 
That's a good comic. He has tied it back to the top of the fucking episode. I love this man. Thank you so much. Quentin Hags, everybody.